Well, I don't think your wife would want you telling us that, Russell. Welcome to The Downside. <laughs> my name is Gianmarco Cerezi. Woo! I'm here with my my busy, my busy, busy co-host, busy, busy. Russell busy Daniels. Yeah. Are you, how are you doing? I'm good. I just, there was a big work thing that like, you know, like all day was waiting for it to happen. Then I was like, oh, it's probably not happening until tomorrow. Sure, sure. And then it happened on the 45 minute <laughs> subway trip here so i was just scrambling to get well, it done well, we're here with our guests so russell was getting some some things done on his laptop and our guests started telling us an incredible like a story that i was like ah duh, yeah. this yeah. is amazing we're talking about vaudeville uh so so we had to start it we're excited uh to welcome uh, to to the podcast stand-up comedian Derek eason what's happening what's how are you doing i'm so good to be here i'm relaxed now i when when you when you buzzed in you said uh with my apartments on the third floor and you said, is it a walk up? Right. And I was like, Oh fuck. I hope. Cause I'd seen in your standup that you had gotten surgery. Right. I and I, for a second I was like, Oh no, are we going to have to care? I was ready to carry you. I'm parked. If I you needed you it. Told me that, you know, that's <laughs> <laughs> why like, you walked up. Yeah, really. <laughs> Three flights was, of stairs. Wow. It was a great service, you know? Um, yeah. I parked on Baruch place. I'm parked in front of PS 97, which is a block away from the river. That's good. That's and, good. And my plans failed. I told you I had a lunch uh, lunch uh, uh, appointment earlier, which fell through. So it gave me time to find parking. Good. Good. Huh? I uh, don't. Do you? You? How often do you park in the city? Is that? And when I come in, I park when I can, and I get in early enough. I used I used to park downtown and then just take the train or public transit or cab it uptown wherever it had to be, but. Uh, Lately, yeah, I drive in and got a great app, finds a garage. Good. You know, in an area that you're going to for like 25 to 60% off. Yeah. Plug into it, you get the uh, get the code, and then you show up, and then you just let them, you know, calm down, and then you <laughs> leave your car. Well, I hope this app sponsors this podcast because we are looking for sponsors, baby. Yeah. And that's a good sale. So uh, 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 a couple things. Oh, so, oh, oh, okay. So let me just tell you. So in 2020, I had two spinal fusions, uh, neck and lumbar. Okay. And so there were uh, C4 through 7, then L7 through S1. So that was... Basically, it started as a sciatica issue. Uh huh. Told me it was just a life, you know, a wear and tear situation. But in the MRI, they said before we can address that, we need to address this because if you sneeze incorrectly, you're paralyzed. My oh neck, my, my neck, god! My this is the downside. 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 You're yeah. Off the downside. Hell yeah. Uh, that is. That's terrifying. I loved. We launched. That's the earliest we've gotten to the medical procedure. Wait. In the podcast. I episode. have a records, thousand records, questions. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I have <laughs> a question because I'm, I get really freaked Wait, can out. Wait, can we do like the, like intros? No, I want to know. Before you well, deal with your fucking. Well, I have a question. I have a question about his actual, like the, he, okay. the story he just told. You're going to, okay. you're going to leave and like, you're going to be like, I got to go to a doctor right now. No, no, no. no. Ask I, a question. I question about sciatica. So did you have lifetime issue with sciatica was that something that was always popping up or okay so because one time <laughs> i had a sciatic nerve thing like three and a half years ago where it was bothering me for like a few months and it would kind of freak me out like because I, I was just like a new thing where all of a sudden you'd be like oh it kind of hurt my butt kind of like for those who can't see derek's way. nodding like that's exactly how and, it starts and then it's not nothing has ever happened <laughs> since like it totally went away 
and has been great and not anything in three and a half years. Am I going to have to get that surgery? <laughs> then one day, then one day, it's like that pimple returns. Oh my God. Derek. Pimple returns? Listen, is that what happened? You, you, it was on and off for years? Virus. No, then- for years, for years. And the doctors, so my sport, uh, uh, the majority of my uh, time as a sports person was as a swimmer, but the most uh, damaging time was as a football and basketball player. So you're fine. <laughs> I played football. True. Hey, so um but it was I, just I heard it lifting someone in sketch comedy. Is what it's <laughs> oh, I don't know. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. That's what I'm talking about. You yeah. have to give for the art. They're, they're yeah. like character sketch comedians are the most at risk. Yeah. For look at Chris Catan. Look at Chris Catan, oh, famous true. comedic That's actor. You're Chris Catan. Yeah. And he he fell in an, he claims in an SNL sketch. And fucked up his spine. Yeah. And he was, like Russell, mostly funny for the way his body moved. Right. And, exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So now it moves differently. You have to find the secret to that movement. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that was the deal. So it was wear and tear. And it was a pain that would come. And it was different in different phases. Different type of pain. Different phases. The doctor said, you're too young for any type of uh, surgery. So it was about uh, stretching. It was about at some point getting uh, lidocaine patches mm-hmm. at some point it was about uh shots mm-hmm. at some point it was about um just take the pain as long as you can yeah okay withstand it and at one point i don't like that diagnosis the doctor's yeah. like here's the deal you want to take yeah. the pain as long as you possibly can. Yeah. Well, what I That's like, the diagnosis. When I, exactly right. And I don't want to give you the drugs. I'm like, how come everybody else gets the drugs? Yeah. <laughs> I can't get the drugs. I don't want it. Why are you the responsible doctor? Sure. Sure. This is the one doctor fighting the drug industry. Yeah. And I'm sitting in an uh, airport terminal cursing little kids because they're going to make their connection and I'm, and I can't walk them on. <gasps> oh I'm my just, God. I'm just like pissing off. I'm, it's a lifestyle situation. Yeah. Hating the world because I can't be mobile. Okay. So, um, I did the uh, surgery. It was an 80% chance of success. And I fell into the 20% with regards to having the sciatica down my left leg and coming out of the hospital with that taken care of, but my right foot, I have a dropped foot now, and I have to now. Oh my a dropped God. foot. Yeah, like the nerve, the major nerve. that comes, Because now they had to make new... He said after he went in, there was more damage than the act we saw on the MRI. They had to make room for the spinal cord. So now it's not it's stenosis, it's synapsis, it's, it's, it's drill time. And so they make room for the cord, which is now free from the vertebra uh-huh but now it's been damaged oh but they you knew that the 20 percent chance going in but you still were like the pain's so bad it's worth it when you take those odds yeah oh yeah 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 Rosa, you are you are i've never seen you have a full like uh fear attack i understand i i mean the thing is what i keep knock on wood uh it's been three and a half years and i haven't had it ever come back again yeah it was like a three-month period where it was bothering me and then i was just like i'm just gonna ignore this the and not see anyone amaz- the body is an amazing it, it acclimates it it's adjusts. amazing the, the pain but it can once cause. it reaches once you hit that level you go on to the next level so the pain oh, may yeah, come yeah, back yeah. and will come back and it might be even more intense or it's fine. And it's or it's fine. Away. It's gone. It's fine. Never, or it's, and, never and you're, have, yeah, you're, you're, say the word you're settled. Okay, again. And you're so, settled. So welcome to the fucking downside. Uh, uh, this is an episode. This is a show where we talk about all the negatives in life. We try to celebrate them. 
I uh, I have plenty of negatives to bring to the table. What I've been oh, thinking yeah. recently, though, is like I don't want this to become the me complaining about airports podcast. Yeah, well, that, because because it what happens? Could be. Have you had this conversation before? No, no, not this one. Uh, no, well, no, no. I'm just saying I I had a week of some of the worst flight problems ever. I had uh, I ever. I know you're, you're everyone's had worse problems, but except for me. But it was bad. It was bad. It was uh so I decided here's what I might propose for the podcast. Okay. Because I travel a lot and airlines are notoriously bad. Yeah. And eventually your favorite comedians get to a love award. They're just tweeting at airlines every week. Yes. And that's their content. It's yes. just them being like, hey at Delta you're not going to help me at all. Yeah, yeah. And you hope you're they're famous. I hope I'm not famous enough for Delta to respond quite yet. Yeah. So I decided uh, when I have travel problems, I will do the the travel minute, one minute of complaining. Okay. About my travel problems. And if it happens enough, we'll change it to thirty seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is I don't see you, and then all I am, am getting updates on is your travel, which a lot of it was spent in an airport the last this every was, weekend. So this was like, wild. Yeah. Okay. So okay, I'm going to try to come to it. Now, Do you want me to time it? I can time it. Oh, you can time it. If yeah. there's any follow-ups, you know, feel free. We can, we can talk about it. Uh, but I just want to point out my friend, Chris, he said, you know, the airlines uh, are understaffed right now. And maybe that's the reason these are being so bad. Chris was being reasonable. After he made a snippy comment yeah. about, he said, "Oh yeah, you're the you faced you're the comedian who's faced the worst airline troubles in the history of the world." Okay, yeah. ready? Yeah, go. So on Thursday, I flew down to Dallas, and Dallas it had to go to San Antonio uh, because of weather, and then it got stuck there on the runway for six hours. We were about to unplane, then the 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 the, the toilet was broken, so we couldn't go. It was ultimate. Oh my god! No, it stop, stop, stop! Pause the timer. What the fuck? Ah, ah! I got a phone call. All right, do not disturb. Um. Okay. Okay. Go. So we were there on the tarmac for six hours. I barely made it five minutes before my Dallas show. Then Sunday, I'm flying to New York City. I get an eight twenty a.m. flight. Something is wrong with one of the computers. They make us deplane, then they cancel the flight. I miss four spots in New York City. Four fucking spots. They were all paid spots. I basically had to wait for five hours, then fly all the way to Minneapolis. While I was on the plane, I I, I got on the wrong seat. I mixed it up the gate with my seat. I dropped my headphones in the thing. I am a hundred percent sure somebody stole those headphones because we checked the entire fucking plane. So I went to. Minneapolis Minneapolis. Then I flew to LaGuardia, got in at like 12, 15 a.m. My, I broke my glasses because I sat on them. I was so fucking frazzled. I was, I, I lost my headphones. Ultimately, I lost all those spots. We're looking at losing $1,000 on this trip and fucking Delta didn't do anything to give me $15 of a food coupon that you had to leave security to get the food. Time. Uh, wait, I have a question. I have a question. Um, so someone stole your headphones. Wait, did, wasn't it obvious? Wasn't it the person sitting in the seat? All right, so this is, this is what I think. This is an actual interesting part. So, I, I sat in the wrong seat. I, I mixed it up with the gate. So I sat in like 15B or whatever. Yeah. Uh, 14B. This is important. So so then I get onto the plane. Someone's like, oh, that's my seat. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I go to my seat. I realize I don't have my headphones. So then I talk to the TSA person. They're like, we can't. We can't uh, ask them. Not TSA. The, stu- the stewardess. I say, we, they, we can't ask uh, the person until we're in the air. So I'm like sitting there like, I don't have my headphones. We're going to wait till we get in the air. We wait till we get in the air. The person uh, in the rows says they don't see anything. I look in my bag. I look in my chair. I look everywhere. I'm sure they're on the plane because my phone was trying to connect to the headphones at some point Oh, while we're in the air. And um, uh, uh, so basically I say to the, what do you, attendant? I say flight to the attendant. attendant, the flight yeah. attendant, I say, I'm 
I know my headphones are on this plane. I know they're on this plane. Mm. Here's what I'm concerned about. They're either lost somewhere or someone took them. Now I'm going to be I'm being very hesitant because you don't want to accuse someone of stealing lightly, right? They just go back to the seat that you were first, 14 and just That's ask. what we did. But they said they they said they didn't see it. They didn't have it. When so, when they when you asked them, were you asking them or was the flight attendant asking? First them? I asked them then the flight attendant. Okay. And were did they like did they motion to like look or were they just confidently like no, I, there's nothing you there. You know, I had I had thought that I I remember when I sat back down, I wish I'd paid more attention to their body language to see if they were like no, I don't see that. Like some kind of like, you know, that was an Udahagen acting exercise. Can you really look for something even though you know yeah, where it is? Yeah. And so maybe they were an actor. Then they, they needed the headphones because yeah. they're not making a lot of money. What an exercise. <laughs> <laughs> so I say I say to the attendant, I say, here's what I'm concerned about. It's either there or there's a possibility it was stolen. I don't want to accuse anyone of stealing Do you anything. think she's concerned about that? Which thing? About someone stealing your headphones. No, no, no. It's about me like accusing. Yes. Okay. And let's add to it. Why shy away from this? The person who sat down uh, was a black woman. And I'm going to be very remiss before I wildly accuse any black person of stealing something. That's not going to be what I'm going to do. I'm going to check every fucking corner of this plane. And then even then, I'm not going to accuse anything. This is the reality of like me trying to Especially this show. (laughs) (laughs) So... So the student says, uh, let me do like a full check of their, their chair, like like take off the seat cover or whatever. It's after often, the plane's landed. It's often after the plane's No, 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 in the air. Oh it's my often God. in the creases. Yeah. Sure. So she says, what row is it? I was like 15A. She's like, are you sure it's 15A? And I'm no, like- No, that's where you are. That's not where you were, right? No, no, that's where I was. That's oh. where I was. So she does this, she does this, this, I guess it's a trick where she basically told them, uh, the row 15A, they're, they're both people in the row. Uh, we're going to have you get up. I just need to check underneath the seats. And she's basically then takes their email, I think, to give them some kind of coupon. She's basically offering some kind of Delta reward, maybe a free meal for or something. For inconvenience. For inconveniencing them. So we walk to the chair. She's in front of me. She goes to ask them. As she's going to this row, I go, fuck, it was 14A. Not 15A. <laughs> so... So she's she's getting them. And you can't tell her. It's happening so fast. It's happening so fast. And, and so for a second, I'm like, this is fine. And then the, there's, fine. there's a guy Dude. across the row who on the way in recognized me from Instagram or whatever. This happens a lot. And uh, uh, he said he confirms. He says, oh, I remember I saw you wearing your headphones as you were coming onto the plane. And I, the, the, the trigger my memory, I was like, right, when this guy talked to me, I remember keeping my headphones in because I didn't really want to talk to him. Yeah. And uh, he was very sweet. He was very sure. sweet. I was just, I was just not in a good mood this I day. I he's listening to this. So, so then, so I, I so he says to the, uh, the flight attendant, oh, he, he was actually, he actually sat in that row by mistake, not this one. And the, <laughs> the look, the look this woman gave me, I was just like, more vouchers, more things to give another row. So, so she does it though. She does it, and she's taking off the seat. She's letting me go in, and I'm doing a full headstand looking under this chair. Again, yeah, not there. So, so then you I check the front, right? The the little pockets. I checked it all. Okay, I checked it all, and uh, at some point, you know, the plane goes low enough. My phone, I get enough connection that I identify once again they're on the plane, but not fully accurate. Of like, I can't see like you start oh, it's playing something. Chair. I, I tried to do the play sound. Okay. But it, I thought it connected once, but then it didn't connect. Basically, the plan was this. I 
it's for some reason someone sitting across from me in the alley worked for the airport that we were landing in. And so we were like, okay, here's the plan. When we land, I'm going to try to connect to these headphones. And if they move, I'm going to stay on the plane. And if the headphones move, that means someone stole them. Okay. And then we're going to, we're going to call the police. Well, you're going to track gonna the headphones. The what? You're going to track the headphones. Yeah. That was the plan. So we land the moment we have full reception. Again, the phone confirms that my headphones are on the plane. Uh-huh. They're on the plane. Okay. And I've checked my bag 10 times at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, but then once people start getting off the plane, they stop being able to connect. Could have run out of battery. Maybe the reception wasn't good. I could not get it to connect. I could not see if these headphones were leaving the plane or like staying on the plane. And let's say they dropped and the, the plane had slid 10 rows back. Who knows? But I never, I couldn't, it couldn't connect anymore. So all I knew is that they were on the plane when I was on the plane. And then I left, I left a phone number. They said, if the cleaning crew finds it, we'll call you. I didn't get a call. So I'm going to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to, I got to believe. It's hard to believe they were stolen because given that I could have tracked it potentially, it seems crazy to steal something on a plane. Well, it's obvious, John Marco. It's that it was stolen. That they're in the lost and found. You really think so? Yeah. <laughs> did Maybe. you did you did you fill out the report? I, I filled out the report. Knowing Delta in five years, I'll the find Delta, out if the I get Delta the Delta lost the Delta. Yeah, it was, lost it was, and found report. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I left a phone number with this woman. She said, "I'll be here at six in the morning. The cleaning crew will have checked it by then." And it was a really. I mean, I was at. My lowest that day, yeah. and the headphones was just like the, the final, the last row, the yeah. last row. And I, I, in my f- bruja, I sat on my glass. I like fucked up one of the things, and and to take a whole flight, I'm assuming you didn't have a hard copy book or anything to read. Or I do. was filled with such uh, anxiety, and like especially when we were in the plane. Part of me was like, you know, like uh, uh, we're about to 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 catch a predator. Like yeah. I was like waiting to land and it was going to be like, all right, yeah. all right, they're moving. They're on the move. They're on the move. And uh, everyone activate. I mean, truly, truly to lose something on a plane takes a special kind of person. Was yeah. that the first thing that I've lost on a plane? Yeah. I think, I think of this magnitude. I've maybe left glasses once, but headphones, I carry these headphones. It's a miracle I haven't lost them before. Yeah. And so to lose them of all places, I go on the subway, yeah. I travel on the plane. I hate there's that when the feeling of losing something too of that magnitude is really devastating. Um, it. I remember one time I left a suitcase that had, like it was after an uncle function show, it uh-huh. had all, like all, all the dumb prop stuff, but it also had my backpack in it, which had my laptop, like, yeah. everything from work every like everything that yeah. you you know my headphones everything and it was i left it in the back of the trunk of a cab <gasps> and i in my mind well i was never been lower in my life and i knew i was like i have the next like eight hours to figure this out like other if you let too much time go on it's gone yeah, yeah. it's gone I did, and and like I did it. I did it. I did it. So like, you is that the worst contact. thing you've ever lost? Well, I, I got it back. It was an amazing thing. I, I had, had to call the credit card company to connect me to like the precinct of the cabs to figure out who the driver was to figure out the time. But then it was just like it, it also like the driver 
had to be a relatively good person. Um, yeah. Because he, you know, he, but he didn't speak English. And so the thing, I ended up going far out into Queens the next day, though, and met his daughter who gave me my suitcase. It was amazing. Like, I was like, wow. But I was like, I had to do it through the night because I was like, I know that if this doesn't, you yeah, know, yeah. if this doesn't get resolved, it's gone. I, but I was How like, far did you have there to was go a two hour it? period where I was like, it's gone. It's and gone. I was like, inconsolable. Like, I was like, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. Because you know, in your head, what you should do is go like, it's gone. Yeah, no. Time to slowly get no. the things that I need rebought. No, but was, in that moment, you're just like you I couldn't us. even. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't even know who to call, what to do. You know, why I couldn't have gotten an Uber? Why did I get a cab? You know, like I was like, <laughs> I was like Nicole. I was just like giving her the phone and be like, do do something. We need to do oh. something. You know, like I didn't know who to do. What was the worst thing you've lost other than the ability to run? <laughs> Uh, okay, before I answer this question, this is something that I've dealt with all my life, uh-huh. loss. And I dealt with it from a very early age. And it's something that has been consistent throughout my life, loss. So um, I've lost many things. Um, I lost a dolly, Salvador dolly. Oh, my God. Um, like, it, it, how how'd you get it in the first place? Everything. I got it at, a, at, a, uh, at an art dealership from uh, art dealership. Oh my god! I lost. Um, Wait, how did you lose? How my, did you lose how, that? I lost my father's watch. <laughs> um, I lost my father. Mm. That was the first thing that started. I lost. Um, so. I've lost a lot over time. I've lost gigs. I've lost. Um, I've lost a lot of shit on planes. Mm. Actually, uh, got my laptop returned on a Delta flight. <laughs> See, look, there's hope. It's the next morning, it was amazing. St- oh, oh no, no, no! <laughs> listen, listen. I I got okay. So I left my laptop. Once I left my laptop in the front seat of a chair and I remember my seat. So they went back on and got it for me. And one time I left, um, about $10,000 worth of art on an overhead compartment. Derek. Derek, why? Yeah. What? Hold up. First of all, do you have a secret art? It sounds like you're a, like an art trader. (laughs) How much art do you have? Are you heisting? Where are these? (laughs) Uh, Why? I, like $10,000 worth of art just in the overhead bin. Maybe somebody like a, like a, like an art thief who then keeps losing the art after he's stolen it from the highest security museum in the world. How, okay. How did you lose the dolly? Like, where Uh, did you put it? Why, Why were you traveling with it? I wasn't traveling with it. Okay. So I had been evicted. Uh, I was living in Stanford, Connecticut, and had been evicted and was working in Manhattan. I was working on 23rd Street, a uh, block from the uh, Triangle Building. And uh, I got a call from a friend. I used to live, on when I lived in Stanford, I lived across the street from a uh, thrift shop. And on the, in the on the other side of the block is where I also worked. So I lived really everything was within a block of everything. So one day I get a call saying, um, 
Derek, uh, isn't your mother named Harriet? And I'm like, yeah. And isn't that in this country? Well, I'm looking at your Rolodex here at the thrift shop. The landlord, I had left all these things in my in storage in the basement, but I was evicted earlier, didn't have anywhere to put my stuff, and the landlord, after a period of time, had put all my stuff in the street, including the dolly and jewelry. Wow. And my futon and uh, all my shit in the street. And so, you know, of course... <laughs> Thrift dealer was right on top of it, and whoever else walked by. So, can you imagine walking by in the street and there's a dolly just laying sitting in the box, and it's like, take it. What do you think that would have was sold for if you were to guess? When now, then, then, and now, now, now it'll be tens of thousands of dollars. Back then, back then, no, back then I was I had bought it for like two hundred bucks. Wow. He, I wow. heard a story of from a, a tour guide once that Dolly, he would, at the height of his fame, this is how they explained some economic concept. Dolly would go out to these huge dinners and pay for everyone. And he'd write out the check for the meal, but then on the back, he'd do a drawing. And so the restaurant wouldn't want to cash the check because they had a Dolly drawing, they had an original. Oh. But then... Years later, his uh, his favor kind of fell in the world, became less important. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the check, the number on the check was worth more than the drawing on the check. So all of a sudden, all these restaurants started cashing all these checks that Dolly had written. Oh, and he like kind of got fucked financially. Oh, wow. um, crazy. That's crazy. But he Dolly definitely seems like everywhere in Europe, there was a Dolly museum. And uh-huh. I like Dolly. But... But at a certain point, it's like, oh, this is a guy who created a lot. Yeah. And eventually, that's got to that's gotta go down in value. Yeah. You make enough melting clocks, who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting one of those. Wow. that uh, That's upsetting, though, to be A, evicted, and then B, lose all of your stuff, like, during it. Like, that... What... There's no... Do you... Were you able to get some of it back through the, that the person or no, no i like, then they were i uh i uh i confronted the uh the handyman of the building and like i, I didn't beat him up or nothing but i was like yo what is wrong with you you could you have my number you could have re- yeah somebody could have reached out before me threw my stuff out you know just yeah. to do that it was just inhuman inhumane and uh but no i didn't get any of that back so um that's you know i'm gonna see your headphones back <laughs> it's a it's a like you know it's like you know how do you you're dealing with loss and not lose your mind yeah you know yeah. because it's like am i the fuck up and i keep losing my shit or is it just getting taken away from me yeah yeah you know is it a combination what, what or what you know and is it happening to everyone else? Is it just happening to me? When I lose like personal belongings, like this with the headphones, I have this feeling where I'm like, I don't deserve to have these things. Yeah. I can't keep track of them. Yeah. I like I don't like I remember I remember getting Oakleys when I was in high school. Mm. Like that was the thing. Like and I got like a nice pair of Oakleys. And I must have lost this shit three days later. Oh. And I just had just had that feeling of like no, I shouldn't buy new Oakleys because I no. I'm too much of a fuck up to own something yeah. that nice. And what makes Oakleys any different 
as a material object than a pair of one dollar, you know, a cereal box glasses. Sure. I mean, they're both material. I mean, why would you, and why would those things hang? You'll never get, you'll never lose these freaking things. <laughs> yeah, they'll always stay in a drawer. They'll be so you'll find you'll always find these glasses. But the Oakleys, you couldn't hang on to. Yeah, you just got to be like you know, the universe must have taken it. Where somebody saw and took my Oakley. You know, what? Yeah, well, that's it's the thing. The idea of theft, because I I have to trust a lot of like like at the comedy cellar especially. There's like a table in the back. Where you leave your bag, you're supposed to be able to leave your bag and leave your jacket, and you're under the illusion that this means it's safe. And it's safe yeah. because that's where the comics leave. That's their where stuff. the comics leave their stuff. You think they're just stealing jokes? <laughs> <laughs> that's all it would take, though. One yeah. day I could come back and like, if it's stolen, what am I gonna? No one's gonna be like, the, the seller's not gonna be like, oh, oh, oh no, our security policy was broken. Don't worry, we'll refund you the laptop. Right? It's just gone. Yeah. yeah you think it's Dave is doing that? Gone. You think Chris is doing that? Just leaving their stuff in the back? Can you imagine if I thought like Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle took my laptop? Imagine and I, I was like, I'm a hundred percent sure it was. Dave I know Chappelle. it was him because there was no one there at the time. <laughs> I was watching. Can you <laughs> imagine? Um, well, uh, uh, we're very happy to have you on here. I really wanted to talk about. Um, well, let me say really quick because I, I keep forgetting this. So, so for those of you who listen to the podcast. Uh, I decided to do this part in the middle. We uh, we we have uh, we're gonna have our first live downside show. Uh, uh, what is it, Russell? Oh, August August fourteenth. Good for you. Yeah, August yeah, August fourteenth at Sesh Comedy Club. It is going to be from six to seven thirty p.m. We're gonna put links in the show notes, and that'll be followed by the sister show. The Silver Lining, which is a stand-up show where I do a, a, an hour with some guests in between. Russell, you're welcome to try stand-up if you'd like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would love to I would love to have you do five minutes. You could do five minutes. Okay. So uh that's our little easy. uh <laughs> easy peasy. My my girlfriend, she's she's a, a manager now, but she used to do a little bit of stand-up. She started in stand-up. And I would do anything for her to get fifteen minutes. And to be able to open for me on the road, because then we could travel together more easily. Yeah, the money she'd get from that would be enough to like cover the extra ticket and the hotel, and and then we could, uh, and it'd be fun. Yeah, I want to write. Is she funny? She's very funny. Yeah, but you know how it is. We're like that doesn't necessarily mean you could go do fifteen minutes in a tough room, right? But I think she could. She could write it. She's got the Orthodox Jewish background. There's a lot to play with. Would her work be cool with that? I don't think her work would be like, how dare you? Yeah. I think I think there's a degree where she doesn't want to blur those lines. But yeah. I, think, I think her generation has to navigate like social media, as everyone does, social media and work and like how much does she put herself out there? Yes. Because she puts funny stuff on social media. For sure. And uh, I would think it would be funny if someone from a different management wanted to sign her as a as a performer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Try to deal with that conflict. That'd be crazy. Oh yeah. And no, who's who's going to sleep in that? I'm not sleeping in that bed. Yeah. I wonder how many managers like. I'm sure there have been some like weird lines of like. First they played themselves on Entourage, and then suddenly they got this part, and their clients were like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. They try to call their manager. Oh, they're on set. They're doing an under five for Law and Order, and they're yeah, like, "You yeah. know what? I'm gonna leave." <laughs> when I first started, my uh, I met my girlfriend. Uh, I was like two, three years into it. She uh, became my manager, 
And, and like she had not no experience, no experience. Okay. And uh, but she had the gift of gab, yak yak yak. That's all it is. And um, <laughs> but at one point, I mean, now I'm still keeping my day job. She's showing up on Fridays trying to get my check. Then she wants ten percent of my gig, and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, you gotta make a choice here, babe. Be my woman or my manager. You can't be both. You're just scraping in way too much here. Yeah. And she had a conniption. Really? She freaked out. She's like, no, I'm not. In it. So she eventually became uh, neither. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's tough to hold on to one. Can't hold on to one or the other. I mean, I let the I let the, uh, the parakeet fly. I let the bird fly away, everything. There must be some. I know Bob Odenkirk, his, his wife has a big management company. Uh-huh. There's some part of me that's like, it makes sense. It I makes would sense. love if that could happen. It's like, it's like a camp. It's like your team. It's yeah. Like- and they're invested. And they are vested. I, exactly. I say, I say, and, and agent invested. takes ten, manager takes ten, girlfriend takes sixty. So if you could, like, you know, shave ten off of that, that, that you know, that's an economic investment as far as I'm concerned. Wouldn't you want Nicole, your wife? I mean, I want your wife to be, you know, to to. No, I like I like it being very different. Does, you know what I mean? Like but you know, Nicole would fight for you, but Nicole would. Yeah, but I don't directors. know. Like, I think that there is. I you would know what? Wa- you got to listen to your managers. Yeah, I. I just think that there. I. I like it being. I like it being sort of like. I don't want to be too close to that person. I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, really? I, I. I don't know. I don't. I don't. It, I. I it, think. I think like that's. Those are the best ones. It's when it's too close. Well, how? How? Yeah. How was too close? Yeah, what's too close? I don't know. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't see it that way. You know, Nicole would be a badass manager. No, I know, but I. That's also not what she does now. So, but I, I like it's. it's she knows too much about you. It's I. It, you know, <laughs> I think it, maybe it's. It'd be like if you're like, I want to do this, and then just seeing in her eyes, like you're not right for that. Like you know what I mean? Like uh, I feel that's like where you. Yeah. There's things where you would be yeah, like, oh, of course like, I'm ready. For I like that, just the uh, the over 100 percent like being supportive of like yeah, whatever yeah. I. You know what? It's the <laughs> you need a partner who can lie to you about. It's the objectiveness <laughs> of the stranger. You know, or not, it's the objectiveness of the other person not necessarily your partner I think. sure yeah well i felt that with certainly with uh dating comedians where if they had a bad set i oh, like yeah. when it comes to like things that i if someone cooks me a meal it could be like fine and that's great for me and i'll be like delicious thank you yeah when it comes to comedy i got some real opinions and so like it would be tough it, w- it was tough if, if someone did poorly or they well, you're like, well, what do I say to this? Yeah. And then, you, and of course, I'm not an asshole in, oh. outside the podcast. So I'm not going to be like, you sucked. But then I just feel like I'm lying. And then you get into f- where all of a sudden you feel like you're just lying. Constantly. Yeah. No, no, I think yeah, as a comedian, that's something totally because that's your craft. Mm. It's okay to be a snob about it. Yeah. Perfectly fine to be a snob. But about that's why to be- have a partner doing it. Like it would have to be someone where I thought they truly were phenomenal. Not, and this is, listen, no, there's no way any of the comedians I dated are listening to my podcast. <laughs> but if they are, this isn't like about them. It's just the concept. Of yeah, me. yeah. Uh, you were all the greatest comedians in the world. Um, so, but we originally reached out because you you do cruise lines. Right. Um, and uh, you, I was very curious about what the experience of was doing cruises in 2020. Uh, we heard some nightmare stories. And I was just wondering what your, where you were when everything shut down in the cruise circuit. 
Um, I recently just met a bartender who reminded me, he's like, I was on the ship with you just before the pandemic. I mean, oh, yeah. People like recall it. It was a March, March, it was uh, for me, March 7th, March 6th, and I was supposed to return to a ship March 9th. And they actually called me the next day and said, no, stay home. Mm. Um, it was, um, at that time, people were getting sick. They were, it, but it was just, they didn't know what it was. It wasn't uh, GI norovirus, which normally, or not normally, but often is the most popular uh, transmittable uh, issue, disease, whatever, on ships. But everybody was sick with cold and raspy voices and this type of thing, and I got a little bit of it too. So shut down, reboot. Um, Royal tried it, and every time he opened up a ship, it would just it would just flourish again. COVID would just when 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 did Royal split. first come back? I think that was sometime in maybe June. Mm-hmm. They were testing it out. I didn't start till uh, September. So um, Carnival, which is where I've been for like the last 20 years, started about July. Mm-hmm. They had a big problem because uh, about 90% of their workforce is Indonesian, which third world countries, they're yeah. like really behind with the vaccinations and everything. Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic their ships were on skeleton crews there were many that were all at sea but during that time they was it took them over a year or so to get people back home yeah because it took getting people like from different all their countries had to be on different ships so they can start flying them back oh right so you know you're switching people back and forth and you're hoping not to transmit uh you know the you know, the virus, as you're switching, as people are flying back and forth to get into those stages where they can fly home. It was just a long, arduous period. Coming back, people were not vaccinated. So as they were getting, uh, they would come back, they were initially quarantined. Uh, work quarantine is what I was dealing with. You go to work, go right back to your cabin. But they would get quarantined, tested. If you tested positive, you were shipped to another ship where it was just nothing but COVID cases there. Oh, my God. A COVID ship. Oh. Yeah, there were a couple COVID ships. So, wait. So, let me just place where you are. So, you went back. When was the first time you went back? In September. In September. Mm-hmm. So, they test you. 2020. Okay. Did you have to quarantine pre-going to that to that boat? Like, did you have to like... No, tw- no, no, not 2020. 2021. Oh, after the vaccine. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. So, do you had to, did you have to be vaccinated to work? Had to be vaccinated to work. And I uh, had to have proof, of course. Don't get started, Russell. And then you had to uh, get, uh, as you were in the terminal, vaccinated. I mean, uh, <laughs> they'll be like, tested F- again. Just keep vaccinating you every fucking Yeah. Keep vaccinating. No, you get tested on board. Then as you got on the ship, you were tested every other day. And then as long as you stayed, you were tested every third day. And after that, maybe once a week. And then after that, you weren't tested. Um. But it was, um, it, what was the question? What was the question? So, 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 okay. So you got on that first boat. Did they give you a lot of guarantees of like, if you get COVID, we're going to keep paying you full? No, there was no guarantees. It was like, 
you know, as far as getting booked back to the gig, it was just a different system, but it was just about, hey, make sure your paperwork is in order and you are vaccinated, right? And you can prove it and okay, you go to the ship. So you you go on that first that first cruise back. Right. Um were you happy to go back? Were you stressed, anxious? Absolutely stressed, absolutely happy, absolutely anxious. Yeah. All of that. All of that because uh, it's new protocol now. And um it's very very shaky. Did it feel fun? It felt like like it would be like Skeleton crew, so I imagine like things well, are closed. Know, kind and- of, you know, no, no, things were open. You know, actually, the first ship that I went in, one of the first ships I went on was the Mardi Gras, which is Carnival's newest ship. It's huge, it's massive, it's got a roller coaster on it. Oh my god, <laughs> insane! <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> and so, that's the flagship. So, not least, you know, this ship is staffed and it was running really well. It was beautiful. And I did 10 sets, you do 10 sets in like seven days seven days yeah but like those 10 no no 10 sets in like two three days yeah yeah yeah. so you like one night you might have like four sets in a row half hour sets sure and it was just like bang 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 bang. you're on a ship with uh, like four of the comedians your audience is masked up and everybody's masked and they're like pounding you with keep the mask on keep the mask on keep the mask on yeah indoors when you're outdoors you can take it off you take your chance to recommend you keep it but take it off whatever so um, we were just supposed to uh, go out, do our sets at the first week, usually a three-week contract the first week, just go to your sets, it's work in quarantine, go back to your cabin, eat, go back to your cabin. Yeah. Set, eat, cabin, this type of thing. And um, very stressful, you know, because uh, it was like always reminders that, you know, social distancing. Meanwhile, we're all, Right. Yeah, it's just yeah. one of those like and it's, you're on a cruise. What are you gonna do? And right. you know, there's people that have lied. You of know. course. Yeah. I was on a uh, one level, one uh, level of the ship where uh, you can see half of it was cut off. Mm. So even on the ship that is in uh, uh, service, you have a quarantine area. How often were you testing when you were on the ship? Like I said, like the first week, maybe every other day. So what is that? Yeah, Three yeah, times yeah. a week. And then um, the next week, second week, it was like every, you know. It just like twice. gradually part gradually of the cruise ship off. moves to the other part yeah. of the ship. Yeah. 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 You, you gradually just stop. Like the last ship I was on didn't test at all. Didn't have to test at all. Yeah. No. I, at the point now, they are now unmasked on board. Wow. And it's optional. I have a, so many questions about just being a comedian on a, on a cruise ship. How, okay, so you said you've been doing this for how many years? On ships for like 20 years. So- out of the year, how many weeks a year are you, even before the pandemic, maybe maybe it's yeah, different before now. Before the pandemic, it was up to uh, 40 weeks out of the year. 40 weeks out of the year, you're on Anywhere a cruise ship. 30. 30 uh, what is that? 40. Like, are you, what is that life like? Like, do you, do you, is this something that you really enjoy getting to see the world? I was in and the like, Navy four years. Oh, okay. Wow. So I knew what life at sea is like. Yeah. Oh, is that um, what the ships in the Navy are like? They have roller coasters. and uh, Yeah, they call them jets. Yeah. <laughs> Catapults. You, know, you work two hours a night. <laughs> two hours, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, real captive audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I was familiar with sea life. And when I had the opportunity 
I was like okay with that. I yeah. Have, and I was, it was so good. I didn't have like a girlfriend that was like, no, I'll never say that came later. Because girls, no, I don't want, you can't work on a ship. Everybody's fucking on cruise ships. I'm like, really? Yeah. I had no idea. Sure. And they really were at the time when I started. They absolutely were. I Wait, I do want to hear about that because yeah. I've heard uh, from my comedian friends uh, that it's basically you can hook up, what I've been told, you can hook up with the crew. You can hook up with other crew members. But you try to hook up with a passenger, you are off the boat. They will yeah, catch you on they, the cameras, and they will get a helicopter, and they will take you off. Uh, they won't take you off on a helicopter. No, you're not that important. They'll just throw you off. <laughs> ah, they'll just give you a little jacket and throw you over with your stuff. <laughs> Float on your luggage. No, they'll just wait. You know, It's called the 6 o'clock knock. So uh, you may or may not know it's happening, but around whatever, around six o'clock, they'll call you and tell you that your flight is ready. Oh. And uh, you're six in the morning or six, six a.m. Six a.m. So oh. that means you're leaving that day. So and uh, yeah, pack your stuff. You'll be leaving today. How often did you see that happen? I saw that happen a lot. Oh, really? And it's was it oh, for comedians or was it just no, no, no? Crew? It was crew. It was crew. Yeah. Crew. I mean, listen, you can be. Uh, Camp Carnival who takes care of the kids and you know find a and fuck a passenger you know anyone who deals with passengers always has that temptation yeah 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 you know not just comedians yeah they come to see us and they just fall in love with a comedian or whatever and that's different but you know anybody who has contact is 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 vulnerable to yeah. uh, fucking so what did it used to be like it was weird it was fun but it was I, I mean today no it was not weird at all I uh, got a tour. It was really nice. They give you a tour of the ship. This is here. This is here. This is where you're performing tonight. So and so. This is medical, um, aspirins, uh, condoms, uh, cotton balls, and they're like, oh, condoms. It's like, yeah, free condoms. They're like a big bowl of condoms, um, and I'm like, cool. That's nice. And I'm like that, it, but it's that. That much fucking going on, and uh, yeah, and I mean guys, fucking, especially in the Indonesia, work tour? guys, <laughs> yeah, guys, fucking guys, and girls, yeah. fucking girls, and guys, fucking girls, yeah, and, and all the officers were Italian, so you know, <laughs> <laughs> they were they were a big reason why we stopped fucking the passengers, the Italian, officers. the Italians, the oh, Italian mm, officers, yeah, fucking they, Italians, I oh, uh, so yeah. But yeah, so and they would encourage us to, you know, hang out with the, you know, with the passengers after the show. We'd all go to the club, hang out in the disco or the nightclub, yeah. whatever, at the piano bar, and interact with everyone. And you know, so it was amazing. You know, the places that sex was happening on the ship. Oh yeah, all over. All so over. what? What people were fucking all over. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> what year did this change? So this yeah. is like no, every this, year. It, every year it got a little like, oh, we shouldn't be fucking at the piano. Or bar. was there like a like, a thing that happened? No, where it they wasn't were like, like the so, bowl you know, of condoms is going away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Because you had to have those condoms there. You don't want uh, crew members getting right. pregnant. Right. You don't want to be losing crew members like so that. There's so there's still condom, a bowl yeah, of condoms. It's not a bowl now. It's probably just like a. Yeah, okay. Uh, they charge you for it now. Yeah. No, they don't charge, but it's, it's fewer, and they go quickly now. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. But when when was the rule enacted? Do you remember when they were like, all right, no more fucking passengers? 
after those two Italian officers. What what did they do? Was oh, there it was they were bad. What happened? Oh, let's just say that it, it, um, it, it, well, they just like they used un, under they 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 abused somebody. Oh, oh boy! Oh, was this a you famous know, story? Or, or well, it's not a famous story, oh, but, but you know, you girls on. that look older than they and say they're older than they are, and then I mean, okay, so there are stories of people. <laughs> I'm trying not to bust anybody. You know what I'm saying? Sounds like they were already busted pretty bad. <laughs> but you, okay, so now you meet someone on the ship and like you go to the club and they're hanging out and then all of a sudden you hear this announcement, uh, so-and-so, please call the customer service. And then you'll hear the announcement again maybe a half hour later and now they're looking for some, it's somebody looking for their parents, some some parents looking for their kids. Oh, you boy. Know? No. So, um, so these Italian officers, okay. So now they found, you know, they were hanging out with somebody and, you know, they just, you know, they both fucked the wrong kid, I guess. Well, (laughs) not that many right kids to fuck. (laughs) Question about the food. Um, Wait, how, hold up. I cannot believe you shipped it to the food. (laughs) Russell. I can't believe I shipped the food. No, I didn't. (laughs) But so, so there was, there was like, I just know that that's like such a significant change, obviously in, in the boat life where it was like, okay, no more fraternizing with passengers. It wasn't a big thing. It was only with certain entertainers, only, only people, you know, there was so many things going on in the, I mean, the, Cabin parties were unbelievable. Back then, they acted a carnival, even though it was called the uh, Walmart of the Seven Seas, with regards to just being, just making it, making everyone, uh, uh, giving them access to cruising. You know, it wasn't like uh, you had to retire, it wasn't luxury. It was just like, hey, come on the boat. Cannot imagine getting on anything. It was a party ship. It was a party ship. It was all party ship. Yeah. So they, and so in that regard, it was the as far as being a crew member, it was the best in the industry to be a crew for Carnival. There were so many events going on. They really worked on your morale. You played bingo. They had parties. There was a, a crew party at least once a month, movie nights. They had, um, and the crew parties, the morale was very cool. When you got off port, you know, you get off, if you weren't working, you can get off the ship in the ports. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. They were very relaxing. And then as things started getting crazier and crazier, they had to get more uh, strict with the rules. And the rules changed. You know when the rules changed? I knew the rules, um, it was somewhere... In uh, 2007, they started taking the chocolate off the pillows. Once they started taking the chocolate off, I knew shit was going downhill. Sure. Yeah. And how do you feel about it now? I mean, do you, do you, is it sad? Don't give a fuck about chocolate, bro. It's just so many things are going right now. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, it's not even about the chocolate anymore. It's just about, hey, you know, can I, you know, get a real apple? Can I? Get- oh, oh. oh well, man. I feel like COVID gave a lot of companies cover to be like, you know, with COVID, we're going to we pull back a little on, on some of the. No, night, you know? no, it was happening way before COVID. Oh, it was yeah. the, the pullback on services you know nowadays <clears throat> it's less service for more money mm-hmm. yeah they started pulling back the services long before covid yeah. and this was uh industry i'm not talking about carnival in particular i'm talking about the industry and yeah you know, it was fleet wide industry wide yeah this is how they all 
I, I did a cruise in college with like a weekend cruise with some friends that we thought would be fun. Mm. And we found a cheap one that we could all afford. And it was like, it was, it was like a nightmare type thing where everything costs extra money. Mm-hmm. Just, and it was just not a good experience. Well, it's like once you're there on a ship, you're going to spend money. Exactly. Yeah. Even though you really, I mean, <laughs> I actually went to Acapulco with $25 in my pocket. All right. I had a girlfriend pay for it, but that was not the point. The uh-huh. point is you can, yeah. <laughs> Brigetta, Brigetta Anderson, she was a Viking. She was a Viking. Oh. <laughs> um, so food. let's talk about food. Um, no, and also <laughs> uh, a question about uh, food and also what are the like, Celebrities what are the, the best food ever? What are the um, cabin? Like what are you, do you, your own cabin or you have to roommate? Yeah, get, yeah, yeah. You got your own cabin. I got my own cabin. Can you have, is there a window? I'm sorry. I just had a, a steam horn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the industry uh, standard is yes. Okay. But you've had it sometimes no. Carnival? No. No. Okay. I can show you. I'll show you pictures. I, I'm just fascinated like the day-to-day the of average, like. The average cabin that you'll get like maybe on the. Norwegian or Holland America or Royal Caribbean or something like that is a really nice king side, queen size bed with a window porthole, desk, maybe a uh, at least a chair or, or maybe even a couch, uh-huh. table, you know, refrigerator, okay, television, okay, phone, get a bathroom, you know, yeah. Washcloth. That I mean, that's good. In my mind, I was like, people are shack, like having to have roommates, and like that's good though. No, that's no, the entertainers don't have to do that. Okay, and, that's know, nice. And uh, there are different levels of that. I've been like on levels where um, every, and I was like doing a transatlantic every cruise. I mean, oh, oh no, that was different. But every cruise we did, or you know, cycle, I got a bottle of champagne and a plate of fruit. Oh. In the cabin. Nice. I mean, I'm not a big champagne drinker, so it's like, it looked like a cellar in my cabin after a while. It was like, I'm like hoarding champagne and fruit, you know? And then I've been just the other end where, you know, they wanted to stick me in a bunk. It was an empty bunk bed. I'm by myself, but it's in a bunk bed. And there's a desk and a chair and the bathroom and the bathroom space but it's all literally it can be from that where that cabinet begins yeah. to here i mean it's very small yeah I, and it's in the front of the ship so sometimes you're coming in like this so you get this triangular really weird configuration where you'll have to step over the bed to get to your closet and then you step back over the bed and come around yeah. past the door to get into the bathroom it's like weird yeah so and it's really bad because i felt like um Back on that transatlantic cruise, Uh-oh. but uh, <laughs> do you do you do you still enjoy cruises or do you want to get off it? I enjoy them very much. I don't want to get off, uh-huh. because I know there's levels where you can really just do this until you know into your seventies, yeah, and yeah. be comfortable. Sure, you have to align yourself with the right people with the right cruise line. Does it get lonely? 
Absolutely, man. Because you're out of the loop. Yeah. 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 Out of the loop. I live in Philly and it was for years. I, mean, I didn't have a home club. It's like I, I get back home and I'm sitting there like, where do I go? I don't know anything. I don't yeah. know what's happening locally. I don't know any names. Yeah, how do you maintain relationships like family, friend, like, like, I, I mean, you know, we're all connected online and that sort of thing. But right. like, do you find it? Do you find like you come back and you have downtime and you're like, oh, shit, the, everyone's moved like do you feel like well you know at all people i came up with i never i stopped seeing anyway you know as your friends you know become more you know headliners or whatever you see less and less of them unless you really work toward getting together but yeah. i just had to really i started going back to open mics i just started going after I, which was cool because after having 30 years experience and you know hours of material as an open micer and no one knows you it's like where'd you come from yeah you know and now i'm the og you know and uh so i just started doing the open mics and uh went to uh, philly punchline went to helium um a couple of it's got it Philly has a great open mic scene at least pre-covid it was really good there was abundance of open mics you can hit four or five mics in the night uh, now I just go and I pick and choose where I go. Mm. You know, I'm not going to all the mics because they don't know you. I'm not waiting to get bumped. And I was bumped a few times. Sure. You know, and uh, I made sure that you bumping me, right? Okay. I stayed around, you know, because Philly is a tough nut to crack. They're real yeah. clicky. And I had to do that in 2002 when I first moved to Philly. Yeah, at the Laugh House on South Street. This is what, That's this, still there. No, it's gone. This is what, uh, David Brenner owned it at the time. Oh, and um, so when I first moved to Philly, that was the first place I went to get a pass, and got a pass, and just stopped going. Right after that, I started doing cruises. Sure, sure. But it's lonely out there. You don't know, and it's yeah. expensive to stay in touch unless you, uh, you know, don't mind calling. And, and um, at the same time. It's a good place to work, reflect. Yeah. And it's not a gig for everyone. You're literally dealing with a captive audience. If people like you, they'll come back and they want to see something new. They want to see yeah. something different. Sure. So right now, minimal, you should have at least two hours, two and a half hours, and break that up into five different sets. Yeah. Half hour sets. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, much less organized than I, I've never been a, a really strict about set list stuff. But if I did a cruise, I'd have to like figure it out a little more than I have. It's so much different, you know, because um, especially I've seen so many city comics. Now I'm from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and I, I when I when I started up, I started at the Treehouse, and then I start. I mean, I was like, oh, if I want to start comedy, I don't want anybody mess fucking with me. So I'm going to go to Connecticut. I'll go to the next state over, and then if I die, I die. No, no, no. <laughs> but it worked out yeah so now but i'm like i don't know what the hell i am i'm in working out in westport i'm too black for westport and i'm too white for harlem so what am i doing and that <laughs> so it took me a couple of years to figure that out and now i'm coming back and i'm now i'm like starting to danger I'm, I'm doing danger fields boston comedy i did the cellar years ago in the 80s and cafe wad and doing peppermint lounge and doing the strip across town and catch and all these other places i would just you could really do you know get your work in it was open, yeah it was different open mics then yeah it seemed so different 
you know, dealing with Lucian and all these people. So the point was that I I just, after I started doing the ships, I got used to getting paid, man. Yeah. It's very yeah. comfortable taking care of your bills. Yeah. So I, you have to make that choice. I mean, sure. Like, am I willing to just go out there and just be a fucking unknown when I come back? Yeah. Or just be, un? I mean, I don't know. Some people manage to do it. No, I see it. I had a friend, uh, Ken Boyd, and I worked with him a lot at LOL Comedy Club, and he was a killer. Mm-hmm. And once he got into that cruise ship, I mean, he, he could crush anywhere. Mm-hmm. And once he got on that cruise circuit, I never saw him again. People think you're out yeah. of the business. Yeah. They don't even, and where have you been? I've been out on these ships, man. I used to follow him on Instagram until he commented on one of my pictures that I looked fat. And I said, I blocked him. Um, <laughs> he's not, he just he's said not the warmest fellow in the world. Like, or <laughs> yeah, he says, DM like, or public uh, comment? Oh, public. Oh. oh, no, he wasn't. He didn't DM like, hey, buddy, I'm concerned about you. It was public. Like, whoa, wow, looking fat. Wow, and I was, wow. like, I was like, oh, that's my point, I guess. That's the one thing I cannot take. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know, it was, it was a point, it was a time where people... The idea was that cruise ship comedy is where you went to die. It was where comics went to die. Sure. Yeah. And now it's flipped, it mm. seems. Do you, did you resent that at the time? Were you scared about it at the time? I had no idea what that, I didn't care. Sure, it didn't, sure. It didn't affect me at all. As these I broke-ass mean, comics doing open mics in New York being like, cruises, cruises where comedy goes to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, three minutes tonight. And I did, I, <laughs> I didn't understand why that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, I'm... Listen, I've done sets in bowling alleys. That's a good place. That's a better place to die than on a cruise ship. Yeah. I've done sets in subways. I've done sets. I've done sets in hospitals. I've done, I mean, there's so many other places where comedy dies. Are, are there rules on content? Like, can you swear? Like, are there. Are, on Carnival, no. You can't swear. No, Carnival is free range. Oh, you can do whatever. Oh, man. I was, look, I was slapped long before Chris Rock rose. Okay. Yeah. Fucking people! I've been rushed. I've been rushed on the stage a couple of times, man. It's free range, and they don't. And they did he get as much dip. publicity as the? <laughs> no, because you're in the middle of the fucking ocean, man. <laughs> and no one taking pictures because they yeah. tell you you're copyright bullshit. Was it? Was it a random? Like, did you say? Were you like uh, having an interaction, or did they just? I yeah. Okay. Yes, I did interact. Uh huh. Okay. My I might have wrote her. Uh huh. So it wasn't like she cocked and slapped me. She was very playful about it. She like, you know, and then split. The one dude, this one guy, he was ready to really attack me. But he was just embarrassed. Yeah. And I, he was, I, I'm doing my set. He heckles. I respond. We're going back and forth. His wife is trying to stop him. He doesn't stop. She up and leaves. I'm like, go get your woman. He's like, no. I'm like, what do you mean, no? You're on vacation. I'm not gonna let you <laughs> manipulate me. I'm like, what do you mean manipulate you, dude? You, you, you just your wife, whoever she was, just left you. That's not a way to hide you. Get go get her. Go get your woman. And then the audience is like, go get your woman. Oh, go get no. so like, oh no. He's really pissed now, and he's so he gets yeah. up and he walks across, and as soon as he gets he to like stage left, he just trusts me. And I'm like, God, I got the mic stand. I'm ready. Like, Shh, I'm gonna go Hemingway. In this I'm gonna go Old Man in the Sea. I've never read Old Man in the Sea, but I, you I feel like you gave away the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna spear this dude with the mic stand. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had to protect myself. And uh, luckily, you know, people rushed the stage and stopped him. 
that's nice. But uh, yes, there are, as opposed to the other end of the spectrum, um, Holland America, octogenarian uh, passengers. Uh-huh. Uh, people pass away very much, uh, very often on ships because they're just older, retired. Sure. Yeah. You know, very quiet. You know, it's more of a classic cruise line. So, um, you know, the late set is at like 9, 8.39. Yeah. The latest. And after that, there's no disco, you know. Yeah. It's very quiet. So there you would have to really be, there's no cursing. There's just, you know, PG material. Has anyone ever died during one of your sets? During the set? Not that I know of. I don't know. I've had fight. I've had fights break out. Sure. But no, no, I don't think everyone's anyone's died during my set. I've I've seen guys, or I've seen like one of the last people to be, who have seen people that you know the next morning were dead. Wow, you know. So, on on, on especially on, I mean, Holland America, man. They, yeah, they don't stock their refrigerators to the fullest. They need that room. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, when someone dies, they, will they keep them on board until? Or does something come to pick them up? Yeah, no, yeah, think, you gotta leave them on board till you hit port. You don't just—they like have a a what is it called where you put dead people? A morgue. 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 They have a morgue. No, no, they the, put them in refrigerator. There's no morgue. They put them in refrigerator. That's the morgue. I hope it's cordoned off from the food. That's why I say they don't pack the fridge. To- oh, I see. I see. We got it. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um. Well, uh, uh, let's go on to yeah. our, our next segment. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. Uh, do you have a this has got to stop for us? This has got to stop. Just anything that's going on where you're like, I'm noticing this trend or this thing. Something in your life. Something that you're like, this is, this is, we got to stop doing this thing. Yeah, we got to we, uh, we gotta stop uh, enabling uh, stupidity. This mm-hmm. has got to stop. And it's got to stop at the highest levels. So it's got to start in Washington and it's just got to spread. Also, it's got to spread to the cruise industry. This has got to stop. Uh, Big women out of Louisiana. It's got to stop. Wait. I mean, not the women, but what they're doing in Louisiana has got to stop the big women. I love big women, don't get me wrong, but they have got to stop doing what they're doing. What is is it that they're doing? We have quite, we don't know what the big women are doing in Louisiana. What is, (laughs) what if we disagree with this? Like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) finally, what, what are uh, specifically Louisiana? Mm. Specifically because, um, the food in Louisiana is amazing. Oh yeah. Amazing comfort food. That sticks to the ribs. You're saying the women in Louisiana (laughs) are eating too much comfort food. I think so. So you're saying the women in Louisiana have to stop eating so much comfort food. That's got to stop. I think they should. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We we have to. Jamar and I can't to, go on board and agree with you there. We can't um, agree with you. This. Are, you're you're free to. What say about that. what about you're going to leave me hanging on this one? Uh, what about what about the big men in Louisiana? There's some big men too. <sighs> yeah, and they're encouraging it. <laughs> they are. <laughs> All right. Well. The downside would like to disclose that this that is the we, guest view. This is the guest we view. Love, we what's, love, what's we love the big women in Louisiana. Louisiana. Do you love the, who's a big Louisiana woman? <laughs> you know a big Louisiana woman? I don't, but I, I love, I don't, I do love Louisiana. I love don't New get Orleans. me wrong. I love Louisiana women. 
but they have an amazing fashion sense. What happened? No, it's just very funny. Just these days, you know, sometimes people get upset. Did you get a letter from a Louisiana woman? I'm not yet, not but yet, I feel but like the moment will. I release this episode. We will. Listen, should I look at this camera? Sure. I just came back from New Orleans. I love big women. Big women is some good loving. But I'll tell you what. I've seen some crazy outfits. I mean, it looked like... I should stop. Wait, no, no. no. no I'm it, confused. Is it, is it the, the, is the, it the, the eating or is it the outfits now? It it's sounds different kind now. of a combination. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I so not only are we criticizing their eating, it's also their fashion sense. I, I, I spent 15, 15 days on a ship out of Louisiana. Uh-huh. New Orleans. Oh, I love New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Yeah. I had a po' boy, uh, I had an oyster po' boy at Moletta's. So you're eating amazing. this food too? What the fuck? I love it. I can't stop. I could never live in Louisiana. No. Sure. I would have diabetes in an hour. Mm. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, I just love the food so much. Yeah. And I can show you the pictures of me in, at Mardi Gras. Just oh, getting, you went to Mardi Gras this year? No, 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 no. Oh, this okay. was like a few years back. Oh. I was at Mardi Gras. I went this year. And I, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was it? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing. Everything was, was open. Everything was open. You, you said you loved it, but you were complaining about those Louisiana women. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was. <laughs> I actually got COVID in in Mardi Gras this year, but did everything you? was open. It was it was great. Uh, it was an amazing time. And anybody, any woman in Louisiana who's ever seen my act knows how much I love big women. Okay. <laughs> I love a big. So girl. it came around to this has got to continue. Big women in Louisiana. Has this big? Okay, should we stop with that? <laughs> No, listen, listen, listen. Speak your truth. Let's go to our uh, <laughs> our final segment. You better count your blessings. Um, all right, this is the, the little positive part of the show. Um, other than uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, what's your blessing, oh, Russell? Fuck you. Um, I um uh the, my blessing right now is these fucking sun chips, these cheddar harvest sun chips that I wasn't allowed to eat. During this I didn't podcast even say you were recording, and now I'm going to loudly open them towards the podcast. <laughs> I was like, yes, "Now I'm going to be able to eat them," and that is my blessing because I didn't have lunch yet and I'm hungry. Um, what is yours? Uh, my blessing, and this is actually my blessing before this episode, is uh, women in Louisiana. Uh, that has I I love them, and I love their fashion sense too. I love everything about them. So that's my blessing. Have you been beaten up by a woman from Louisiana? <laughs> Once again, not yet, but I have a feeling. I have a feeling after this podcast, I'm going to be beaten up by. Uh, did I have a blessing? Um, oh, I will say uh, yes. I will say I I was in a. I was in Houston, and I got this uh, comic from Austin named Sean Riley. You can't wait. I'm not. I'm just putting here. <laughs> He's staging the chips. <laughs> Okay, oh, you're in Houston. I was in Houston. A uh, uh, a comic named Sean Riley. He's a comic from Austin. Mm-hmm. He's uh, helped been helping caption all my videos, and uh, I I brought him uh, to to be one of the openers for my Houston shows, and uh, he did a great job. He's uh, fantastic to work with, and we went to uh, a shooting range, um, and uh, it was it was uh, it was a cool experience. Yeah, I could see doing it again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's that's a good thing. I had fun when I lived in Texas, and I went shooting several times. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wait, do you have good aim? 
Uh, yeah, I was pretty good at uh, the skeet shooting, you know. When I lived in West Texas for a summer, there were a bunch of guys that were from that area that I was friends with that, um, like, they had, like, like, like ranches and things. And, like, they would, that would be something you'd do a lot of, like, just shooting. Yeah. And they'd have, like, crazy guns where you're, like, they're, like, they're, I don't think they're fully legal. But, like, sure. But, like, um, uh, it was something I, you know, in my head, I was, like, this is, like, I'm not going to be into this. But then I, I had fun. So like, yeah. I mean, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, talking to these, talking to the guy who's very nice, the guy who like gave us the instruction, we had to do the, the yeah. session. Like, it's one of these things. He was like a nice guy who loves guns. You're yes. like, this is someone you're gonna pry it from his cold dead hands. Yes. This man, yes. yeah, loves guns. Yeah, and I think witnessing up front, it's more just like you're like, this isn't going away. Yeah, no. So no. you got to figure something else out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, when I was younger at camps, I used to be I used to have good aim because I was bad at everything athletic. Mm-hmm. But we used to do lying down rifles or whatever, and yeah. I always had decent aim. Yeah. Um, and then then I thought I was good, but then my my Sean Riley, he was his, really good. The guy was like, "Oh my god, you you were Texas. you were made for, for schools." Yeah. Um. So, do you have a, a a blessing to see us out? Um. I do, but it's really vague, and that that's fine. Every day. I'm just happy to be out here doing what I'm able to do. That's the blessing. I say this after every set. Um, not many of us get to make a living at what we do, and that's the blessing. And each and every person in our audience makes that possible, so that makes them part of the blessing. Mm-hmm. So, that I mean, that's it. It's just being able to, to live a little happier than, you know, Maybe I think better than a lot of other people yeah. because I'm I have that that blessing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, comedy has done a lot for me. I can't really. Uh, I fought it for so long. I fought it for years. Didn't want to do it. Started kind of late for me, but it's working out. I'm yeah, yeah. Taking care of my my wife and family and. Because I can't really, it's not where I thought I'd go, not where I had all these aspirations or sure. sites and had opportunities that I may not have really taken fully advan- full advantage of, but I didn't land pretty, I didn't land in a bad spot. So yeah. I, I think that's that's the blessing today. That's that's fantastic. Um, uh, let's do final segment of uh, plugs. Russell, is there anything you need to plug? This is coming out May 24th. Nope. Great. Uh, uh, for those listening, this weekend I'm going to be headlining Comics Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, 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 Uncasville. Great room. Yeah, 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 I'm excited. I've been there many times, so I'm excited. Uh, June second through fourth, I'll be in Lowell, Arkansas, headlining the Grove Comedy Club. Then I'm doing a run of one nighters, so please come. Tell your friends to come. Uh, June 5th, headlining the Brea Improv, the Improv and Brea. Uh, then I'm going to be in San Diego. Um, uh, then San Francisco headlining Cobb's comedy club, June 12th, then headlining, uh, the Sacramento punchline, June 15th and the hereafter crocodile, some shit, June 16th in Seattle. But again, go, uh, go find me on Instagram, join the text list, join the email list for upcoming shows. And then of course the live, the live podcast, August 14th, let's sell it out. We sold it out the last one and the sister show, the silver lining right after that August 14th links in show notes, anything you would like to plug. Any cruise lines you want to just give a shout out to the Hey, young? listen, don't be afraid. Come out there and, uh, hey, really, cruise. It's really cheap right now. 
I'm going to be on the Carnival Valor. I'm hooked on phonics. I'm going to be on the Carnival Valor on the uh, 26th. That's out of New Orleans. And uh, <laughs> so if you want to go find Derek and get, smack him in the face on stage, just know it won't make the news and you're That's free to do it. Carnival Valor out of New Orleans, right by the Riverwalk. You know where it is. Um, and, uh, well, this, this was a good, uh, dark episode and, um, uh, just, just remember, even if you don't want to be a cruise ship comedian with the way sea levels are rising soon, the only thing fun will be able to do is cruise ships and we'll all be cruise ships. Everything. This is the downside. One, two, three. Downside. The downside. downside. Get on down. Yeah.